Hey, I'm Mike Travelwinds Podcast. Today, I'm lucky to have Matt Kovacs. How are you today, Matt? I'm doing all right. How are you? Excellent. Matt is the president of Blaze PR, a very prestigious, respected uh, PR firm here located in Southern California. And I was just super excited to speak with a, a PR person to kind of get the behind the scenes look of what we all buy and how we buy things and how we look at things. I don't know that a lot of people understand what PR firms do, Matt. So I was just kind of hoping you could kind of give me a, a real quick background of uh, yeah. to a layman's term. Like if we were sitting on an airplane, what does a, a PR firm do? Because I think a lot of people think, you know, oh, well, celebrities have PR firms, but then you have, you're mainly a, a corporate from my understanding. So kind of if you get a chance, give me a background on that. Sure. So, uh, you know, public relations and, and Blaze specifically, you know, we work with brands and with corporations. Uh, and, and really you think of PR is, you know, you can say how great you are and your wife can say how great you are, but earn media and what PR does is have someone else, a third party to be able to say, look how great you are. So it's a way that, yeah. you know, for brands, it gets that validation and it gets a way for, um, you know, consumers to be able to find uh, information about products, about services, to be able to read, uh, you know, that third party uh, expert positioning and really understand and really get a, a true, you know, really the, the brand's DNA, if you will, you know, what they're about before you even purchase, partake, you know, experience, et cetera. That's really the, what the heart of PR is. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, if you think about it, that's, it's kind of like if a celebrity wanted to say how great they were or how great they were in that movie, it sounds weird coming from them. Right. Versus a PR person who sets up an interview or sets up magazines or, I mean, you guys set up, you kind of do everything for, for your company. Well, and PRs, yeah, and PRs evolved a lot, I would say, over the past, you know, if you look at, say, like 15 years, you know, back then you had bloggers. Bloggers was yeah. all the new thing, you know, think of the, you know, oh, wow, this person's going to start writing on a website. And it became, you know, that element. And I think the, the better firms treated bloggers just like media. We gave them access to, you know, product reviews. We let them come to events. We let them, you know, uh, be a part of it. So you'd garner more coverage. And, and now as, you know, the media pool is shrinking, you know, the LA times is like a pamphlet, you know, magazines <laughs> and, and even yeah. any of those things are just fading yeah. away. So the, the rise of blogs and now much more digital media. So if you look at uh, a well and good or a goop or any of those sort of online portals, and then the, the last layer has become influencers. So, you know, social media is, you know, the, they're those elements of where the people have come out where now they are, um, same thing. You treat them just like media. So they get, you know, products review and hold up and post in their pictures. And, yeah. and it's become for many of them, their own, um, beyond a hobby, it's, it's a, a revenue source. It's their jobs where they'll go, you know, and, and post about, be it, you know, beverages, be it about, you know, uh, uh food and, and, you know, natural products, gluten-free products or whatever it is, you can find those niche influencers that will really speak to it. And I think the, the factors that have become within PR is really being able to discern what's going to make sense for your brand and, you know, what are the right elements and where you want to show up, you know, because some of the influencers, you know, on Monday, they're holding up, you know, this uh, box of crackers, you know, two days go by and then they're holding the competitor. So, you know, why is this, you know, a, a, the right type of person to, to have as part of, a um, uh, you know, an, an actual media person versus, you know, if you get into a, a good housekeeping or, you know, that type of magazine, where they'll have a review of all crackers and here's why it's important and all those aspects. Oh, I so I think that's a factor of how we look at it. And, and I think back to your point about PR, you know, it's, it's not just about, um, uh, you know, the products and services. You know, we have a number of clients that, you know, they may be speaking on uh, trends or on technologies and they're, um, you know, really out there to give uh, updates. And, and especially in these 
sort of COVID times where there people are looking for answers. They're looking for experts. They're looking for, you know, what I could or shouldn't do. You know, what should I uh, do to make myself, you know, safer? If it's, you know, different supplements to take for immunity or if it's, you know, what type of mask I should wear, whatever it is. I think PR and, and even just the um, the news in general become that much more important. And the question I was going to ask you is because I've I've heard uh, from different people within my own industry that advertising is changing by the day because, the, like you said, the traditional models were gone, and then now you have micro influencers, you have influence social media influencers, you know, and then they have mini influencers is a new term I heard. Mm-hmm. Nano. There's a nano influencer. Oh, that that that'd be me, but um, you know, and and it's I've been offered some press passes, and I'm like for my podcast, I'm like, nah, it's, you know, it's it's weird, but it it, it is changing. And I actually had a, a next door neighbor who was a an, a real true influencer, a makeup influencer. He did makeup tutorials on himself, and that was all he did. He never had a job in his whole life, and he had a six figure income. And I'm like, wow. Okay. You know, nineteen-year-old kid living at the beach and, and making mm-hmm, six mm-hmm. figures for putting makeup on himself. So, well, and I think that's your point about uh, you know media in general. How it's because of advertising and because of the way social media can geotarget and get so linear as to if I want to reach again uh, uh, you know, mothers that are uh, forty years old that live in Long Beach and that yeah. have uh, you know two kids, you can get into that info and that data and be able to target them just that bullseye. And that's what social media has been able to do. And I think that's, to a certain extent, PR as well, in that, you know, within their demographics, we understand what publications they read, how they consume their news and their media. And that's where we can target our, um, you know, our, our outreach and our, um, you know, results we try. And you look at it from, uh, you know, a good example is morning, morning news. It's the last place yeah. that's still, when people watch news, it's the morning. Because, really you know, mom do, or dad yeah. or whoever... Yeah, you turn on the TV and people go about their day and you're able to see if it's the local, you know, NBC, is it the, uh, you know, the uh, Today Show, whatever it is. And then people go off and, you know, rarely do you have that on again until maybe at night to watch Netflix or whatever. But that's really where we target a lot of that outreach and aspect of, okay, here's where PR can have the most value for a brand. See, I totally agree with that. It's it's interesting to, to see how it is changing. Because I mean, you know, I'm I'm old, and I still remember you know, the TV guide. You know, was, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, and, and now, now, now it's on your phone. So I, I just wonder how much of, how or much you can just ask Siri. Yeah, you can just throw, <laughs> exactly. throw it out there, and it, you don't even have to look at anything. See, that's that's I, I'm not quite I'm not quite there with Siri, and and I have Alexa. My daughter bought me a Alexa. Okay. And uh, I, I I'm not fully integrated into it yet. I'd love it for music. That's mainly what I use it for. But then I'll ask with the weather or whatever, but mainly it's music for me. Do you, do you find uh, advertising for Alexa and, that, and, and AI voice controls is big now? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, for us, it's still um, on the PR side. It's still, I think, um, uh, the Wild West. It's not there yet. It's yeah. probably, you know, like the way bloggers and everything were 15, 20 years ago. I think for advertisers, yeah, I think that's a big aspect of where they can have um, that type of control and, and that type of element. I think back, you know, for, for us, we look at it as, um, you know, probably more stunty, you know, are the things you can do that, um, you know, people ask their devices that um, can help drive traffic, you know, if it's a fun uh, element that way, it's probably more how we're viewing, uh, you know, those elements now as well. And I think that's, um, 
again, it's what makes PR interesting because it's it, every day is different. You know, different uh, elements are happening with brands. Different, obviously, now with what we're living through, it's making it even more interesting. But even as you know, the the trade shows, you know, they're not happening. You know, this time of year, yeah. we'd be planning for um, the one of the bigger shows, the National Product Show, which is on the East Coast. It was supposed to launch in Philadelphia this year. And we have, you know, a good, you know, five to 10 brands that would be there. And, you know, they have their booths and they have their exhibiting and they're launching all their new products. And all that work is just so different now because that trip's not happening. So you have different ways that, you know, obviously the brands are still launching the products. They're still, uh, you know, going out to retailers. They're still making... Um, you know, their work happening, but I think the, um, the aspect of what, um, you know, what it does, it just changes the narrative of, of really how we connect with media. Sending samples out is so important, you know, getting food in mouth and getting products out there, uh, works, but it's just a different sort of communication device now. And finding that, to be honest, media are more responsive. So they want to, they're just as, uh, you know, I'd say secluded as anyone else. So they'll get on the phone, they'll get on a Zoom, they'll be able to talk to you and, and give feedback and give, direction and we have um i think uh deeper um relationships we've built over the past you know few months do you th- do you think Sam? i agree with you on that uh, you know because of, of my of my large accounts I, sure my relationships are getting better as well but i think it only has got i don't know maybe it won't but hurt new new accounts like if you want you know you would go out to the trade show and meet somebody that you wouldn't typically meet and maybe start a relationship that in three years or a year or six months Go, turns into a new account, but now that's not going to happen. How are you going to chase now new accounts? Well, it's been interesting. You know, we have won some new business during the pandemic, and you know what I found is that the um, the ability to Zoom actually I think helps because you get to meet more people, so more of our team, more of their team. Right. Uh, you can spend more time, and it's not you know the costs of you know travel. You know, we have a client that we won in Vancouver. Um, that we typically, you know, to your point, we would have flown up, you would have had the meetings or you would have met them at the trade show. <clears throat> but by Zooming, we were able to talk to them multiple times, different questions, you know, have different opportunities. So I think it's the way that you use the tools that, you know, can make yourself that much more interesting and attractive to them. Um, and then I think it's built, you know, we have some clients that we started with um, right before this went down and we were able to, you know, we met them in person, obviously, and had, you had that one time you met them, but now, I feel like I know them that much better. You know, every week for like two hours, we're on a Zoom staring at each other and talking and, you know, joking <laughs> and going through stuff. And you have to pay attention on a Zoom. You can't be, you know, looking at your phone. You can't sort of uh, ignore it. It's much more intensive of, of you know, that type of communication. Um, so I think that's been a, a positive, at least, that if we look at it that way. Um, but there's nothing, you know, like, you know, going, you know, fighting through the battles of a trade show and, you know, standing around all day and meeting people and, you know, hustling through the airport to get there and, you know, wanting to get home and, you know, trying to make their other flight and all those things I think are interesting with, with any of these bigger shows. And it'll, I think we're fortunate in Southern California because A, there's a lot of shows that are here already, or the majority of our shows are in Vegas as well. So that's a fun, you know, easy flight uh, to get there and then, you know, be able to even go in for a day and be able to visit a lot more shows than, you know, some of the East Coast or, uh, you know, Bay, uh, Bay Area or even Pacific Northwest people that, you know, they come down and it's a bigger ordeal. Um, but I think that's something that, um, you know, there's the, the big, um, next, which is the convenience store show in October. They're still saying, you know, it's going to be going on. Oh, wow. And that's the discussion of, um, again, this was as of last week, but I think that, um, you know, that's a fun show that has everything from, you know, your energy drinks, to your vape pens, to your, you know, pork rinds. It has everything when you go into a convenience store. So it's a fun show to experience and see and, and people from really all over the world that, um, you know, that attend that show. 
I was going to ask you, how many, how many trade shows were you going to? Not maybe not you, but the company as a whole. You know, maybe yeah, I'd say as a whole, yeah, as an agency, and, and probably it's typical for you know any agency in that respect, depending on the um, you know what what our capabilities are. I'd say you know many times it's um, probably you know a good five to ten a year. You have the two or three big um, uh, natural product shows. You have um, you know like the convenience store show. You have um, there's some different cannabis trade shows, um, yeah. and then you have other. Um, um, show, you know, Anaheim's easy ones, you know, you just drive yeah. over, but it's probably in a good five to 10, depending on the year. That's, that's probably a typical, um, aspect. That's, that's actually quite a bit. I mean, yeah, I don't know how many people you take with you or it's a couple, but like, like we do rodeo events and yeah. our big one is in Vegas, the national finals rodeo. It's, it's, I'm there for 16 straight days. Yeah. Have you been to the one in Calgary? I have not the stampede. No. Okay. Yeah. I've been to, God, I've been to Pendleton Roundup in Oregon, Mid-States in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I've been to North American Livestock Expo in Louisville. I've been to the high school finals in Gillette, Wyoming. I've been to Little Bridges finals in uh, Pueblo, Colorado, uh, Salinas Rodeo, Norco, Mission Viejo. I've been to the Commerce one. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just kind of what we do, too. And that's all changed. You know, I mean, if we don't go to NFR, if NFR gets closed in December, I mean, it's, it's... it's tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I think it's, that's what's interesting. I think to your point too, from a PR standpoint, the media that would be, I would see at the show, but you know, for my clients, that's where they might see a buyer that one time a year, um, you know, or, or someone that sort of stumbles into your booth that maybe wasn't looking to be a, become a buyer and you, they're able to see it in a way, um, to your point where they see it in that natural, um, yeah. uh, way that you would, you know, in a show. So, I think that's where, you know, the industries are trying to look to, you know, how do we pivot or how do we create, you know, if, if it's, you know, is it virtual shows? Is it, you know, you products yeah, get sent so to weird. the buyers and the stuff. That's where it'll be interesting to see how um, the evolution happens as, as we go through this. Do you think, obviously, I don't know the answer to this question. Do you think PR firms are at the forefront of knowing what's going to happen advertising wise? No, I think, I think we're all, you know, it's been interesting because I think that we're all in the same boat, uh, together and all this, because okay. I feel like there is so much, depending on where you live, you know, depending on, you know, where different spikes have happened, et cetera, you know, that the information is out in, in such a, um, uh, you know, conflicting ways. And, you know, some people are complying, some people aren't, some people, you know, want to, um, you know, get back out there. Some people want to wait and see, um, you have all those underlying uh, elements. So I think that we're, Maybe we're you know uh, in tune with it more because you know we're consumed with the, the news as much as we can, and we're you know dealing with reporters. And to the the my earlier point of yeah. you know that it is a, a shrinking media pool. Where in some markets, you know, you might have a reporter that uh, covers not only you know the local news, but he might cover restaurants, uh, pets, and you know sports. You know, so <laughs> you're dealing with a person that he has to become the jack of all trades of everything. So yeah, he's probably a little bit more in tune and you get that moment with them, be it a phone call or an email. But I think we're getting the info just as much as anyone else, but it's more of maybe we're maybe more tuned into it than, than uh, you know, maybe a civilian. Do you ask, do you, do you ever talk to your clients about the cancel culture? Sure. And, and how ugly that can yeah, get? Yeah, we've, um, yeah, we, again, we have a sports betting client, so we're in the middle of it with the Redskins and uh, oh, you know, all the betting yeah. that go around of what's their new name going to be and, and all those elements. And, and that one should be, you know, I, I agree it should be changed, but you look at, you know, there was a whole, um, article that just started and it was, uh, I'd say half tongue in cheek, but it got a lot of play that, 
you know, should the pirates change their name? Because pirates are, you know, that if you look back what pirates were back in the day, or, <laughs> um, you know, the Buccaneers or the Raiders, are those names, you know, wrong in this culture, you know, that it's glorifying, um, you know, that type of uh, the way that they treated people back in, you know, that time. So yeah, you're seeing it. Um, I think for a lot of us, it's to be, you know, open and honest. And, and you know, we work through a number of the, um, uh, you know, I'd say the messaging and, and especially for social media to, to present the right um, you know, what should be out there. And, and I think we work closely with them to ensure, you know, that they're the, the good things that they're doing from a, a corporate diversity and sustainability standpoint and all the aspects are, um, A, they're able to um, have that uh, in, in a format that people are able to see it so that they're transparent yeah. and that they're, you know, have ways that they're working through, um, you know, the, the elements so that there isn't any, um, you know, there isn't any, they're not hiding anything or there's not anything that, you know, they shouldn't be doing. So I think we try and work closely as, as a, con- uh, a council and as a, uh, you know, as a guide, because it is important, uh, you know, in today's world to, to make sure that everyone's compliant and that, you know, there's not anything that um, uh, is out there that would be, uh, you know, misconstrued. Yeah. I, I, I was asking because I, I have a, my wife's friend's company just got decimated with cancel culture. So it was just like, Oh, it was kind of surreal to watch it unfold on social media. But so I didn't know if that was something like, you know, obviously you, if you're trying to control the press on, on a company. Yeah, probably more on the messaging. And then we have our parent company is a uh, public affairs firm. So they deal oh, a lot perfect. more with the issues management and any crises that might happen. You know, they um, have worked, you know, their background is um, in that from a variety of ways from, you know, they do a lot of work in um, uh, real estate and mining, but then they had the, um, the boat fire that happened, um, you know, last uh, September, the, um, uh, scuba fire that, that happened. So oh. they were involved in that, working closely um, to that point of, of, you know, messaging and making sure that, you know, the victims and all those elements were out there uh, and, and they were caring uh, through that way. And, and, you know, it was such a tragic event that they were involved and able to help, um, you know, navigate that. That's crazy to think, though. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's all, all behind the scenes. Back to that point of, yeah, exactly. Behind the scenes, that's exactly where it's going, that there's, from a messaging and a PR and what gets out to the, you know, the general public, there's a lot that goes on before anything hits, hits the papers or, you know, is broadcast or all those aspects. And it's funny, you know, that, you know, that growing up and, you know, working in PR all, really all my life, PR marketing, you know, our friends were always the reporters and, yeah. you know, that was who we hung out with. And, you know, you, that's, you, know, you knew their, their schedules where you'd meet them at a bar, where you'd have, you know, their birthdays and all that stuff. And because it's been shrinking and there's been so much, either layoffs or, you know, as people have retired off and, you know, now it is a younger crop of, of journalists, but that's just not the way their mindset is. You don't have that sort of camaraderie of how we sort of coexist, of being able to pitch stories, you know, helping yeah. them. And then when they have questions and yeah, it is back. a different element of what, you know, PR was. I started in Chicago uh, in the nineties and it was fun to be able to, that was a fun time to be there. And, you know, the, the bulls are winning everything and, you know, they run the town and you have the city is, you know, full of some of the biggest newspapers and the biggest reporters, and it's just not how it is anymore. It's a whole different ballgame. I was gonna, yeah, maybe on a selfish uh, purpose is uh, podcast. How do you view, how do how do PR firms view podcast as an outlet? I think they're um, very important now because if we take what uh, the influencers and how they may have you know sort of bastardized PR and you know being <laughs> yeah. take, taking all the being more um, vain, I'd say podcasts are super important because. Uh, longer format, uh, can be issue specific. So, you know, we have some clients that are, you know, if they have a sustainability story they want to tell or yeah. they may have a broader issue, a podcast can give you the, 
the, the runway to be able to really tell your story and be able to articulate in a longer format what's going on. So it gives that ability. And I think we look at it, you know, we have so many clients that I think to that point that they enjoy it. It gives them the chance to just talk and be able to go through and not feel like in so many interviews, you know, you're on the phone with a reporter um, that, you know, oh my God, I have, you know, I have 10 minutes. I have to get every answer perfect. I have to, I have <laughs> yeah. to squeeze so many words into this phone call and every word has to be, uh, you know, that much yeah. impactful. And, you know, your mind's racing and you're thinking, okay, am I talking too fast? Is the reporter, are they writing all this down? Are they uh, understanding what I'm saying? And so I think that's where a podcast, I think, is really helpful. And, 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 and we enjoy it. And I think so much of, um, you know, the team and, and I know just in general, people that, you know, on longer drives or, you know, back, Back when we had traffic, um, you know, podcasts <laughs> were say. a way that, um, you know, it was a great way to, to you know, kill time and, and really learn a lot. Well, and that's, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, that interviewed the president of the Grammy Museum, and he said the same thing about podcasts, about how he just liked the, the longer format, and it allowed him to get about his message instead of a, a two-minute, you know, over-the-phone interview. So I was, it was just interesting. You said the, almost the exact same thing he said. Well, I think, too, the, the ability a lot of times when you're having a conversation with someone, even if you have bullets and talking points, the ability to speak. And then as your brain works and you're able to you know, keep going with the thought, that's where new um, thinking can come out and be able to create a better, uh, you know, messaging point and a better story and a better answer than just knowing, okay, you know, you're going to ask me a question. I probably have 30 seconds and then you're going to ask me the second question. And then I have another 30 seconds, yeah. Ooh, but I remembered what I wanted to say the first time. And I'm going to try and, shoehorn it in but now it doesn't make sense you know you have all those things that go on and yeah podcasts i think it's just fun to to be able to speak and and just talk through it and um you know i, I think we always strive with clients to strive to have them um you know get out there in that regard because it's also good practice just to be able to how you know how long can you tell your your brand story and your personal story you know the we talk when we do media training that uh, you know your your elevator pitch yeah. back you yeah. know 20 years ago the elevator pitch was pretend you're on a sixth floor building and you get on and you, by the time you get to the bottom, both of you would know what each other does. Yep. But now in this new culture, we talk about, it's actually a three story building. So you get on that elevator, you have three stories to explain who you are and how much faster that has to be that someone could leave and say, Oh, he works in PR and he does this. Or, you know, it's that type of element um, where I get back to the point podcast, you have that open runway again. Yeah. See, I totally agree with that. I mean, obviously everyone's, it's, it's interesting that, everybody's podcast is a little bit different format and all that, but it, it, it allows for the, uh, I mean, I, to, to, to think that my show has been listened to in 83 countries is crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane to me, but it's like, okay. And then to see the numbers, you know, you, you, when you start and you get, you know, five listens, you're like, Oh my God, five people listen to my show. And now you get 1500 every couple of days and you're like, Oh my God, where's, where are they coming from? So it, it's, and to go back 10 or 15 years ago, like you were saying with the PR industry, you know, if you went back 15 years ago, a podcast was a what, you know, you want to do what? Right. Right. So it, it'd be interesting the next 10, 15 years, what the next level is going to be. You know, I mean, well, I think, yeah, there was a lot of talk too, within uh, PR and advertising, you were starting to see a lot more of the virtual reality the, um, you know, the, um, that aspect of how you could bring that into a storytelling aspect, um, you know, go to CES and you see, you know, a lot of the people launching that and the augmented realities and all those types of things. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, coming out of this, you know, they always talk about, you know, any of these bigger pandemic cycles, what happens on the other end, you know, yeah. is there this 
renaissance of ideas and thinking and, you know, new technologies um, in general. Even you know, I was on the phone with um, one of the studios earlier today and talking about, okay, <clears throat> there's not a lot of movies that are coming out now. And then there's no content. <laughs> yeah. Is it all just going to be, you know, cartoons next year when, when we have for the next year until you guys are back up filming again, or is it going to be stuff that, you know, has been in the warehouse for ages that they, you know, was, they never were going to let out because it was so bad, but they need content that they'll re-edit or try and make it work. So I think that's going to be a interesting play as well. I, I was see, I was saying the same thing. It's like Top Gun Two was supposed to come out this summer, and they spent I don't know how much Top Gun Two costs to make, but it, tens of millions, right? And now the, all the movie theaters are closed. So, you know, what do you do with that that multi million dollar movie that's sitting in a mm-hmm, can somewhere? Mm-hmm. And you've already done PR for six months, saying it's going to be out in the summer, and no one can tell you when the movie theaters are going to. Ah, no, that's you know, and then obviously where we live in Southern California, I have a neighbor that's a medic on, on, on TV shows. He's been out of work for four months and he thought he was going to go back. And now is he, you know, it's like right. every day it changes. So yeah. It's, Here's a question we've, uh, that we throw around. When, what was the last business trip you were on and the last, um, uh, like vacation trip were you on? Yeah. Uh, so mine was my last, um, business trip was to Toronto and it was for uh, the, I have a client that sponsors the Maple Leafs. So was able to go and see a, a Maple Leafs game and all that stuff. And then my last uh, personal trip was to uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming for family vacation. So we at least got a vacation in, in 2020 this year, but yeah, it's funny that we don't, as every month that goes by um, the 20th of the month is when we were in Toronto, whatever it was five months ago. So it's funny that my client and I will send pictures back to each other they're like, hey, remember, we were just in Toronto. That was our last trip. So you have those types of things of, uh, you know, the, it's sort of out of our peer view. You know, we used to always have, you know, you'd have those trips, you'd have those experiences. And now it's um, now just memories. Yeah, and I can tell you my, my, my last business trip was the first week of March uh, up to Northern California. And then my, my last, my, I was supposed to be going to, my wife and I were going to Japan in April. Oh, wow. Okay. So that got waxed. That would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that was our, that was going to be our big trip. We went to Hawaii last year, but that was kind of a works cause that's part of my, my territory. But we, we took some extra days and, and on, on each island that I had to go to. And so that was kind of a work and business and vacation trip. But yeah, Japan was supposed to be our big one this year and that, that got decimated. So, so now we're just waiting. I don't, we wanted, you know, it's one of those things like, we had all the time in the world when we were both not working during the quarantine, mm-hmm. but everything was closed. <laughs> it's like right. there were no hotels. There was no, you know, car rental places were closed. It's like, oh, we have all the time in the world, but now we can't go anywhere. You know, we were going to go to Hawaii. My, I was going to send my wife to Hawaii. Just She has a friend that lives on uh, Oahu. But then it was a 14-day quarantine when, oh. when you land. I'm yeah. Like, well, you're going to sit in her apartment for 14 days? You could do that here and sit Zoot and Skype her, you know? FaceTimer. Right. It's like I'm sitting in an apartment for 14 days. I forget that. So I, you know, the tourism dollars has got to be crazy. Yeah. I, I think that's because you, when you put that it together, combine it with uh, any of the um, obviously business travel yeah. and trade shows and all that. I mean, the, the, everything's just decimated. There's just no way. Uh, and that's just lost dollars. Those are trips that are never going to happen. You know, the trade shows themselves, you, you miss out on that element. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were traveling, how, how did you balance? I know you have 
children and a dog and a wife, two dogs. How, how do you balance, you know, how much do you are on the road before? And maybe that's more of a blessing now. Cause I know I've spent more time with my wife in the last four months than I have in the last seven years. Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. I think for one thing that we always had a rule of, uh, I could travel during the week, but weekends always home. Yep. And then I think the element of, you know, always over communicating and, you know, working on each other's schedules. So, you know, uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, with my wife's job, you know, with, if there was elements that she needed to be, um, around, you know, she grabs those dates, those aren't trips you know, you could take. So you would schedule it around that way. Uh, but then knowing all the trade shows, cause those are locked in stone, but those would be on the calendar early in the year yeah. and we would just sort of build around it. And I think that's the, the biggest element. And, you know, it's, and we talked about trade shows earlier, you know, uh, it's not that I was going to every trade show too, you know, clients, we have, my, my team would go out as well, so you can manage it that way. Um, and sometimes, you know, be able to have her, you know, piggyback on some of those trips as well. It's always fun to go to Vegas together, et cetera. But, um, yeah, that's probably the best way. And I think we're lucky as uh, my daughter gets older, you know, that's where you can have, there, there's less of, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, all, all the issues that go on with that stuff. So yeah, that's the, uh, the elements of how we made it work. And I think it's important, um, just to communicate through it. Cause that's the, the double book a date is the worst thing ever because <laughs> no one wins. Well, I, I tell you, my, my wife and she has to remind me of it every once in a while. Cause you know, when, for me, when I'm traveling, you know, I'll be gone for five straight, five days, four days, three days. When I come home, the last thing I want to do is go out. But she, she goes, Hey, it's date night. That's it. It's date, date night. night. That's exactly like, oh. it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> where, are we, where are we going? Where are you even thinking about us going? I go, I, but I, I always make the rule of let me have one the first night home. Like don't don't schedule something. You know, friends coming over if I've been gone for five days. So we kind of decompress and then we can go out whenever you want. But we try and do a date night once a week. That's kind of our deal. That's great. That's smart. And I think the um, the other element too that I think's been uh, that obviously I don't miss and I haven't done it in forever, but was having to do the red eyes. You know, where you yeah. take those red eyes to New York and then even I used to have clients that um, you would do the red eye and you'd fly back the next day. So it was just a churn and burn. You know, you had flew in, did a bunch of meetings and then there was no reason really to stay and you would just fly back and then try and get back into that cycle. That's always a hard effect um, from a travel standpoint. My boss does that when he comes out. He lives in Ohio, okay. VP of sales, and he comes out and he'll do He'll fly in on a Wednesday night. We'll have a meeting Thursday afternoon, and he'll f- take the red eye Thursday that Thursday night. Lands, wow! Lands back in Cleveland at it's like six a.m. and he's got a two-hour drive home. So he, he shows up right when they're getting ready to go to school, but he gets to see him before they go to school. Yeah, like, that's cool. what you got to do. I know it's it's crazy. When that's where it'll be interesting. Uh, again, travel starts back up again. Whatever, but yeah. so many of the the flights, the the amount of flights. Uh, you know, the, just the amount of cities, it's going to be a lot harder to get to places, uh, as all the different, you know, flight paths. And even you look this week, Long Beach, you know, they stopped with all the, um, JetBlue flights are, are no longer here. So mm-hmm. there's all those things that are going to happen, consolidations and even just, you know, how we'll get beyond, you know, how we'll get there, but where and, and what times, you know, it's going to change dramatically. I think that the convenience thing is, is what we're going to miss. You know, it's like, it's like going to the grocery store, right? For, for a couple of months ago and you, you go try and find paper towels or toilet paper. You know, something you just took for granted that every time you went to the grocery store and you needed it, it would be there. It would be there, right. And same thing with flights. I mean, you know, if you need a flight and you just, ah, there'll be dozens. You know, I'm not worried about it. Now you're like, ah, 
Okay, I, I, my my other neighbors, they're um, flight attendants for Delta, and they've been not working for three, almost four months now. So wow, you know, because, because there's not enough flights, so that just tells yeah. me, you know, the, the convenience of of travel is going to be a little little harder. You know, just like, but I guess getting a rental car will be easier because they're all there. That's right. Yeah, you'll have it. It's easy just to pick which one you want. Although Hertz just filed bankruptcy, didn't they? Wasn't it Hertz? They did. Yeah. 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 And then Chuck E. Cheese and J. Crew, and the list will go on. So, what, what do you what do you see twenty twenty one being for for PR? You know, I think for twenty twenty one, I think it's going to be a lot of um, uh, what we've seen now, sort of the evolution of um, the self care, the self help. Um, you know, the, the immunity discussions, ways that because people have been trapped at home for so long, you know, they're looking to upgrade not only their, their home and their, um, their own mm-hmm. personal, uh, you know, uh, awareness as well. So, you know, we've seen a lot of stories where people are looking at, um, you know, do I have the right kind of bed? You know, am I getting the, the best sleep, even though you know, everyone has insomnia now? But, you know, how do I, I elevate that? And, and looking for solutions-oriented, um, you know, type stories. So I think that's going to be a big part of it. Um, and then also, you know, if, you know, if, if we're able to go out again and do that, I think there's going to be a return to all the different, uh, you know, eco travel, experiential travel, things that, um, you, you feel that your, uh, discretionary dollars are going to have to work that much harder. Uh, it yeah. can't just be, you know, a, a, an easy trip or, uh, you know, let's go to, to, you know, uh, Las Vegas. It's going to have to be Vegas and hiking and this, you know, you're going to pile all this stuff on, uh, in a way because everything that's been, you know, missed out of you know, those experiences over the past, uh, you know, months and maybe even year. How do you think, because I know you've represented, or your, your company has represented restaurants over, over the last several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I, I can tell you my, my, my wife's friend, she was over to this morning before the news came out again, um, who owns a restaurant and they're, they're building outdoor patios now. You know, how do you, how do you see restaurants making it through, especially in California, I guess? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, an element of that, of, of how can you adapt your current surroundings to be able to offer, you know, be it the, the patio dining, the outdoor dining, you know, a lot of the cities, Long Beach, for example, you know, they're offering a lot more of the, the parklets, you know, where you can yeah. put tables out in those spaces, which I think is you know, important. And again, will those dollars, that those dollars that you're getting from that will probably keep you, you know, in business, but you know, it's not that you're, yeah, uh, you know, maybe as making money, um, but it's so that you can still maintain everyone's, um, uh, you know, their salaries and that, you know, people have a job. Um, I think that's one part of it. The other thing is, you know, we have a, a number of, um, brands where they've really looked to how they can, um, change their menu and have much more of the to go elements of yeah. a sort of ready to go box or a ready to go kit. And so, you know, ones that have, you know, sort of the grocery elements where you can get all your staples there. But, um, you know, what a, what a uh, restaurant can do now so it doesn't feel, you know, you're not going to have that same experience. You know, the, the presentation of the plates and, you know, all the types of elements of, of dining in general. So it's more about, you know, people want, you know, that, that they remember a certain food or that experience is going to have to be what they take home. So that's, I think, a big part of how, you know, restaurants are looking to be able to create that. At the same time, value, you know, having those be it family packs or values or elements around it where you're getting more for your dollar. That's how they can compete now as well. Yeah. And the other thing I, I've noticed in. Maybe it was more, maybe I'm just noticing more is um, the online menus. Like, like when we showed up at a restaurant last week, we were sitting out on the patio and we had to scan in the little QR code and then their menu came up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, that way you're touchless. It's all technology now, right? It's all on you. Yeah. You, and, and it's interesting too, because it also gives them the ability to change and adapt their menus depending on, uh, you know, foods that are available too. So that's where you see that experience, um, that you're able to to bring it to life, uh, in a one-on-one experience versus, you know, you, you hate when you get the menu, and oh, do you have this? No, we're sold out of it today. We're sold out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that user experience goes down pretty fast if they run out of two or three things. But yeah, having that from a digital standpoint, you're able to update it and not have disappointment. Because a lot of it is people want to get out and, and feel like there's some sort of normalcy. And I think that's a big part of, of what, you know, it is the evolution of whatever happens. And, and then also into next year, I think that's where a lot of the, the stories and the, um, the, how people, you know, get back in, in, uh, assimilate back into society is, is go back to the way things work. Do you think, you know, you, you, God, you, you bring up so many points, but I'll, I'll try and keep them concise. When, I mean, for the last three months, my, my retail stores were, were closed. So that meant zero sales. But my online stores were having Christmas moments. Meaning that it was like, it was literally like, like Thanksgiving. And, and, mm-hmm. and Black Fridays, all I mean, for three months. So, do you think that I, I think more people are getting more comfortable, even more so shopping online, and that's really going to hurt more retail stores. And maybe that's why so many are, are floundering right now. But yeah, I think it's going to be agree. even more I, so. Yep, and and they talked about uh, this week. There was an article about how Black Friday is it's officially dead that you know there's not going to be this build up to this magical one day where yeah. every you know purchase will happen and that you know that that you know obviously the retailers but also uh manufacturers you know people such as yourself having that strategy of okay what what's available how much and you know how are we going to have it sold uh in, into what uh, timeline um and i think the other thing interesting i thought you were going to is the thing we saw with a couple of our retailer clients, people are just buying anything. It was just like oh, yeah. things that had been on the shelves forever or even online that the inventory was crazy. Within weeks, it was gone. And they're like, I, I thought I was going to have to discount this, but people were just, it was just panic buying. What we get is with, with our, our cowboy boots and our, and our shoes, and our footwear, uh, our end, end runs, you know, the fives, five and a halfs, and then the 12s, 13s, 14s. All the main ones will sell in the stores. The stores will mainly carry, you know, sevens, eight, nine, nine, you know, 10s, 11s, but in the last three months, it's been, like you said, it's, it's everything. It's things that we were trying to close out and now, now we might reorder because they sold so well. So, and, and as a buyer, you know, I, I feel sorry for our buyers back in, in Denver because like you're looking at trends and all of a sudden the trends just went completely out of whack. And then you're, you're, we're trying to contact our, our vendors in Mexico that are closed. So we can't, we can't reproduce yet. Is that trend going to stay? Is it, Cause it's going to take three to four months to get new product in. So how do they, you know, do we do we buy for a trend that already happened or is it going to continue to happen? So now we're out of stock on things. So yeah. it's a, it's a weird world we're living in, for, for, you know, as far as retail sales and wholesale. Now that's got to affect your business, I would think. Yeah, because it's hard to predict, you know, what what the customer wants and when they want it, and then um, and how they're getting it. Being able to and be able to and being able to promote it, so it makes sense. Because you know, the last thing you want is an article, a review, a um, story to come out at a time when a customer can't go and get it, 
yeah. or it's at a or it's so back ordered that you know they won't see it for you know months. Um, so that's all in that timing uh, as well. Well, that was kind of in, my wife and I roller skate a lot, and roller skates are on in high demand right now. <laughs> it's like, excuse me, like <laughs> what? But the, the, all the manufacturers, you know, people had time to go skating and learn and, and learn a new, new fun thing while they were on quarantine. So they were buying up all the skates. Well, and then all the factories were closed down. So people were, were literally buying skates that should be a hundred, 150. We're spending upwards of $300 on some of the uh, Ebays and all those lines for skates. And now yeah. the, the manufacturers are backordered for eight to 10 weeks. And it's like, what? They just, I mean, where did that demand come from out of nowhere in the last four right, months? Right, out of nowhere. That's that's what I was going to say, out of nowhere. I think that, I think what's happening too is you're seeing people, um, again, harken back to a simpler time, you know, roller yeah. skates versus, you know, rollerblades or, you know, uh, any of those things, just being able to have, A, it's freedom. You know, you can put some wheels on and just go, but also that it's, um, it, at least you're outdoors and you're doing stuff and you don't feel trapped and uh, knowing that you can't, escape to a movie theater or anywhere else that you're, you know, this is your one chance for freedom. Well, they, and I make up probably the 1% of males roller skaters out there, but, um, you know, it, it becomes a tribe for them too. And if, if one friend does it, then another friend will do it. And then another friend, and another friend, and it just kind of, and then all of a sudden, if you've got 10 friends that are getting five other friends and now you got 50 people trying to buy skates. So it's interesting, but those are all the things. I just wonder how many other things like that are going to happen through this weird time. And then obviously that's you, you have to figure it out as the boss. That's right. That's what we have to do. <laughs> What's the, um, what, what advice if, if people, I know, P, I mean, okay. I don't know. I think PR, I know you, a lot, you, you hire a lot of interns and I know it's a, it seems like it's a sought after position, especially where we live. Um, why is that? And, and do you, do you see that trending up with, with PR? You know, it's interesting. The, the PR intern uh, and internships have yeah. actually had to pivot as well um, because obviously we're not <clears throat> at our office. You know, we rotate through and with social distancing and, and look, I know my team, I've known them all for you know years now. I trust that they're listening or they're doing stuff right. They're not, you know, going to COVID parties or any of that stuff. <laughs> but when you bring an intern into the mix, I don't know you and, you know, you, and I don't know, you know, you're at college or I don't know what you're doing. I don't have the luxury of, you know, when you meet interns and you're able to um, get to know them a little bit better. So, you know, that's one is that we were limiting, um, you know, internships uh, during this time, but we've just started doing the, the, again, same as us, the virtual internship where, you know, you're working from home or working from, you know, wherever, and we're training you that way, you know, getting you on a, a zoom and we walk you through sort of our process and what we expect of interns. And then, the abilities for you to be able to, you know, our internships are very much hands-on where you're, you know, writing materials, you're, um, you know, pitching media, you're, you know, able to, you know, experience it, you know, on, on some of the, um, elements. So I think that's where we've looked at it of, you know, being able to offer that up again, because come the fall, you know, that's a big part of, um, you know, what kids typically did for, you know, those internships. And I think that's a big part of it because you learn hands-on is the best way, you know, obviously the university training of PR and marketing and all that's great. But until you have, you know, the human element of a reporter yelling at you or, you know, a typo in a press release and yeah. whatever it is, that's a big part of, of I think, what an, a PR internship especially can give you. 
And that's, you know, both my daughters did internships and uh, one was back east and one was here in, in the valley. And I, I just, it, internships is a weird industry, especially in Hollywood, in LA. I, I don't know. I think they get a lot of work and not a lot of feedback, but it just depends, I guess. Yeah. And ours are more of a um, uh, paid um, uh, internship. So, you know, you're on for salary and for, um, uh, you know, part of the experience. So I think that's how we try and look at it as it's not for credit or it's not, um, uh, you know, um, for free. You know, it really is. There's a value to it. Um, and then, you know, we always train uh, as well is, you know, create a portfolio. You know, PR is one of those jobs where you don't really have, you know, uh, stuff. You know, you're not a, a, an artist or, a, you know, a designer. <clears throat> but your releases, your coverage, your, you know, these things you've experienced can be part of that portfolio. So when you have your interview or as you go to your next internship, you're able to say, hey, I understand I'm taking the classes, but I had an internship where I was able to learn the blockchain tackling, the, you know, how this works, how, you know, uh, uh, strategy, et cetera. So I think that's a big part of, of how we've accomplished it so that an internship is a much richer experience. Yeah. Well, that's that's why you've been, your company's been voted one of the best places to work at. That's it, exactly. That's our favorite. And we got um, the LA uh, Business Journal, uh, their uh, award to come out again in uh, the fall. So we'll see where, hopefully we're on it and where we make it again. Well, that's that's always nice to see that you get feedback because a lot of that comes from the interns that work there, I would think. Well, it's, you know, when, when the survey comes, it goes to everyone in the company. And it, it really, I think, you know, we win the LA one, but we've won the national ones, the PR Week ones before. Yeah. And it, and it goes back to the culture. It's the team. It's, you know, it's everyone <clears throat> that feels that they're a part of it and that they're, you know, it's, it's uh, the work satisfying that, you know, that they're being, you know, valued and respected. And that's why we enjoy, you know, participating in these because you get really good feedback. I, I got one final question for you. What two? What, what's the best way for, for my listeners to find out what you have going on with Blaze or yourself? I would say, you know, uh, Instagram is always great if you go to the, uh, our handles at blaze PR team uh, is, is the best way. Cause you'll see, you know, be it from, you know, client stuff or the work we're doing and, you know, try and have that um, as a way to, to find us or our website, blazepr.com as well. We have a, a good news section roundup where we highlight, um, you know, what's going on with different clients and where you're able to see, uh, you know, the, the world that we play in. Yeah. That's actually a really good white website too. So here's my, my last question. I'd like to end with you. Out of all the cool things you've seen and done, people you've met, events you've gone to, what's what's the couple of things or one thing that stands out? What do you what do you brag about to your friends? Well, I enjoy, you know, I think for for me, it's it's the experience of being able to do things. So, um, you know, the yes, going to um, you know uh, to Las Vegas for um, you know the trade shows is fun, or going on a bigger trip. But it's always you know the other aspects to it. So if I'm able to see you know a place that if it was on you know, diners, dive-ins and, you know, drive to like, <laughs> yeah. be able to, to yeah. go to that restaurant or, you know, to be able to go and see different stuff, you know, and I've, um, you know, been able um, to, to experience those things because I think that's a, a fun factor. I always try, you know, uh, if, um, you know, if, if uh, um, on any trip, you know, if I can see a, a Steelers game or the Penguins or Pirates, you know, be able to experience the teams, you know, that you like and, and be able to have that, you know, put onto a trip as well. Um, I think that's always fun. And then also seeing any, either, or, you know, family or friends, you know, as you're able to use that as part of a, an excuse on a trip as well. Yeah. But it does, that always adds to it. So it's that, you know, plus, 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 you know, while you're getting the job done, you're still able to have some personal time. So, so 
I'm, I'm guessing you're from Pennsylvania. I'm from Pittsburgh, yeah. So I have to you know, follow, follow my teams, exactly. So are you are you really that big of a Steelers fan? Sure, oh yeah. Yeah, growing up, you know, my dad had season tickets all the way through, I think until about 92. Uh, so, you know, we went, I got to see them, and my, his, the guy he had tickets with hated the cold weather, which is funny, because it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's Pittsburgh. So all those, you know, Steelers of the 70s, all those games in December I got to go to as a little kid growing up. Um, and seeing some of those teams when, you know, he should have been there, but he just didn't like the cold. So I suffered through it. But yeah, That's it's crazy. fun to, uh, to be able to go and experience all that stuff. That'd be like being a Green Bay fan and then not liking the cold. You'd never see a game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's very funny. But yeah, that's the exact same, uh, uh, thing. And now I do it, you know, with my, uh, relatives and friends. You know, we follow the Penguins a lot. We'll go and see them on different road trips and be able to experience because, you know, they're, uh, you know, playing well. So it, it's a fun way to, you know, again, you see America and see Canada and, and see your team. So, yeah, see and it. then throw in some work trip. And yeah, that's the perfect, perfect combination for me. See, I try and find uh, concerts or music when I'm out. Yep. That's good as well. You're right. Yeah. Cause I do, you know, the things you'll see in Louisiana, you know, just at a local dive bar and you're like, Oh my God, that person can really sing. It's like, Whoa. And you know, and you never, it's not a concert. It's not a, a big thing, but even like the one thing I want to go is, uh, I want to see, I want to see a show at Red Rocks. Yeah, I agree. That that's, I have that on my list as well to check that out. I have a friend there uh, in the Denver area that always talks about it. And so, yeah, I was trying to look for ways to time it. Uh, we'll have to be in a couple of years. Won't be this year. Yeah, exactly. That's I was going to say the same thing because my, my company is based in Denver. And, but I always, our big trip uh, going back to Denver is in the first, like the second week of January. And Red Rocks, they don't have concerts because it's <laughs> right. 10 degrees. Exactly. Yep. So I got to make a summer trip or something. So. That's cool. I really appreciate the time and and all the, the just wisdom and knowledge you shared with me and my listeners. So, thank you. No, I appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, and uh, if I ever get up to Third Street, I'll have to uh, so, knock so, on the door. That's right. We'll, we'll I'll give you a tour of the place. That'd be great. I appreciate it. So, thanks again, and uh, have a good rest of the evening. All right, you too. Thanks, Matt. Bye. Bye. Bye.